I am Lucas Mack and welcome to another episode of The Golden Rule Revolution, where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. Today we have entrepreneur, author, and innovator, Evan Hackalon. He's a dynamic, thoughtful, and inspiring leader with 30 years of experience in franchising, distributed networks, and cooperatives. He has a successful history of turning around a $700 million distress franchise system into a $2 billion revenue business in four years. Please welcome Evan Hackle. Evan, thank you for joining the Golden Rule Revolution. Uh, total and complete pr- pleasure. So tell, tell us about your background. How did you get to be the influencer and in business that you are today? I went to college and I got an MBA. And at the time, and I'm a little older than probably most of the listeners, um, the U.S. was being destroyed by Japanese manufacturers who were able to produce better cars cheaper. And all the research talked about how the Japanese had created new management tools, soft skills, so to speak, as opposed to the more direct authoritarian style of American leadership. And I did a lot of research into this and, you know, it's sort of like a light bulb goes off. Gee, the people working in the company know a lot. And if we can learn from them, if we can treat them with respect um, and we can make a true team, uh, you can change everything. And, I have found in my work experience that that is so true. Um, you know, asking for help, asking for um, advice, sharing the company's vision, sharing the company's plans, everyone focused in the same direction. Um, you don't just grow companies, you massively grow companies. Um, so it's, um, you know, the first company was my family business, went from 3 million to 25 million in four years. I went to work for a company called CCA Global Partners. I was the fifth employee. In 20 years, we grew it to $10 billion in, re- in revenue. Um, and, uh, not you know, this is not me. This is team efforts um, and people working together. But it's amazing what happens when you energize the company. I love your idea, by the way, of the golden rule and, and, treating, people, and treating people with dignity and and, and respect and, you know, understanding that great ideas can come from anywhere. Hmm. Where did you develop that understanding? Is that something you heard growing up or an idea that came to you in college? where did you develop that? Well, you know, as I was mentioning before, a lot of it really came from what I did in my MBA program. You know, I certainly was able to watch my father um, work in my father is, you know, probably a great example of a really nice guy. I mean, a person that was an amazing human being loved by everyone. And, you know, he ran a successful business to a certain point, but he was like, you know, guarded with information and didn't really focus on listening from the you know ground up. And so when I came back from college, 
Um, I started, you know, having meetings with the employees and asking for ideas and writing business plans. And then I did something that shocked the heck out of my father. I actually shared the company's financial statements, which he did, he did <laughs> not want to do. He did not want to do at all. And I said, you know, Dad, everyone thinks you're making more money than you are. So, you know, them seeing what's going on and how they impact it is only going to help you. And, um, and, you know, becoming really transparent. And, you know, that's why we grew so fast. I mean, the plan was to grow from 3 million to 10 million, not 3 million in five years. And in four years, we grew from 3 million to 25 million. So, you know, that's what happens when, you know, everybody's going in the same direction. Everyone's contributing. Um, everyone's feeling part of the outcome. It just, it just makes, it just makes a, a, a just a huge difference. Um, and, you know, if you look at the country and if you watch popular entertainment, um, the way in which management worked, if you watch 60 sitcoms, I, I always love to highlight Bewitched because mm. Darren, you know, worked for Larry and whatever Larry asked for, no matter how dumb Darren did and never questioned it even one iota because he was scared of Larry. He was scared of being fired. And Larry treated him, you know, not as a partner, not as a, uh, you know, somebody that was valued in the organization. He treated him, as, you know, as somebody that, you know, whose job was just do whatever he asked. And, you know, I think people, you know, particularly from the depression uh, error that people were very afraid of losing jobs. And, and remember back in those days, it was not unusual for people to work for one, maybe two companies in their entire career. So the thought of losing a job was just, you know, stressful on people. And, and consequently, people were willing to accept working for companies that, um, you know, didn't value what they had to say, didn't share information, uh, you know, we're, we're all top down. I think today, particularly with the millennial generation and, and the up and coming Gen Z, uh, if you want to keep employees, they need to know why what they're doing matters. And, and they need to know what the company's vision is. And they need to know how they're getting there. They need to know what part they play. They want to know all of these things. That's interesting. As soon as someone gets a taste of the right way to operate, they never will want to go back to the old command and control way to operate. Uh, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, this is the kind of interesting. I think there are two testaments to good management. Um, one testament to good management is after you leave, how well does the company do? I think the interesting thing is I think most people want the company to fall apart after they leave because they were indispensable. Uh, but if that's the case, they were really bad managers. Uh, when you leave a company, mm -hmm. if the company does well, it meant you managed well, you taught well. It, it, meant, it meant that you put systems in place, that you did not make yourself indispensable. You were teaching and training others so the company could live without you. And I think the second the second uh, statement of good management is when uh, your previous 
employees come to want to work for you again. Um, and that happens to me. And, you know, it's, you know, a great pleasure when you have people that come to you and say, you know, I want to work for you. Um, and I, and I hate the word work for you because I believe we all work together. So we work with each other. Um, but you know, that to me is also a compliment of great, of great management. Um, and what, what about, uh, for the people who are not in management, they're, they're an employee level position and they're listening. What impact can they make, or what do you suggest that they do to create that environment? Is it possible if they're not in management? This is a great question. And I, I do a lot of public speaking, and this is perhaps the number one question asked. Love what you're saying, but you know, I work for a person who isn't that, and what do I do and how do you know and how do I change things? And and the answer is really actually simple. If you start to behave the way in which you believe the company should be people will notice and start mirroring you. And that is the key to change. So one of the things that I think is very important in companies is a simple thing called acknowledgement. So in most companies, there's not a lot of acknowledgement unless one's acknowledging someone's mistake. So it just seems like everyone's just looking for you to make a mistake. And when management comes and talks to you, you know, you're fearful because the only reason they're going to come talk to me is something's wrong. So I practice the five to one rule, which is to look for five compliments, five good things to say. At minimum, I love 10 to one um, for every one mm. area of advice and suggestions. That way, when you come, when management comes to you, you think they're going to give you a compliment. So you're kind of open ears. And if they give you suggestions or coaching, you're more open to it because you know how much they've noticed how good you are. So if you take this whole idea in reverse and you start acknowledging people, acknowledging your coworkers, acknowledging your boss, if you're lower level and you have some employees acknowledging your employees, um, you're going to, you're going to gain clout in the organization. You're going to be someone people like because people like to be acknowledged. I mean, it's just a fact. I mean, I don't, you know, uh, Lucas, I, I, I know you now pretty well. Uh, you represent and present yourself in the most professional way I've seen of like almost anybody. Uh, you're incredibly well-spoken wow. and you're a true pleasure. Everything I said, of course, right now is the truth. It's just generally not shared. And I assume that made you mm. feel good. Uh, and yes, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> and and you can you. thank anybody. And, Last night, you know, I practice, I practice gratitude and acknowledgement all the time. It is just a key part of who I am. So last night I was out to dinner and, and mm -hmm. found out our waitress first time working there. And, you know, when we were done, I just mm -hmm. pull her aside. I didn't literally pull her aside. That would be offensive. But I said, <laughs> I said, can I speak to you for a moment? And, you know, I, I suspect she was expecting me to complain or something. And then she said that, you know, really, this is the first fine dining restaurant she's ever worked at. And I said, wow, wow, you're, you know, that, you know, even more impressive. And I just like making people feel good. It makes me feel good. And I just practice positive acknowledgement everywhere with everything I do. 
But I want to be clear, and this is really important, I don't suck up and acknowledge things that don't exist. Okay? Every time I acknowledge. So here, there, you know, and somebody taught me this with my kids. And so this is a good lesson for anybody that has kids. When you go to somebody and you say, if I said to you, Lucas, Lucas, you're terrific. Just love you, man. You're just one of the best people in the whole wide world. It's interesting. That is not actually an acknowledgement. Human nature is going to say, I don't believe that. I don't believe it. I don't believe that. That's bouncing off you. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Your self-worth um, just triggers you, right? And when, so when you say to a little kid, oh, I love you. You're so special and so wonderful. I love you. That to them doesn't really dig deep. If you want to dig deep, you have to be clear and explicit as to why. You know, when you get your grades back, you know, go, these are good grades. You say, look at, oh, look at, I noticed you got a, a B in math. And, you know, last time you got a C and, you know, congratulations on the improvement. You know, it's being very specific in that acknowledgement, telling somebody why what they specifically did was good makes a great acknowledgement. Sure, everyone listening is craving that I know, uh, I know the very first time I was acknowledged, um, for specifics in the way you just did it, it rocked me. It brought me to, to a lot of tears flowed from my eyes. And, um, I think the two things that every person on planet earth craves is to be loved and to be known. And, there really isn't a more loving way to engage with someone than to see them and acknowledge them for the greatness that you see in them. And that is such a powerful thing. And, and when, not if, but when we do this in the workforce with our coworkers, with our, with our managers, that is the power to change. How have you seen cultures change? Because I know you work with a lot of companies, a lot of different franchises, a lot of businesses, and they all have different cultures. In what companies have you seen the cultures change for the better? And in what companies have you seen the cultures change for the worse? Well, that's a loaded question. Because, <laughs> and I'm certainly not going to sit here and, and share with you companies that I've seen that, that have have become have become worse, and in fact, I think I best speak just generically. <laughs> Good point. Culture eats strategy for lunch. Peter Drucker said that. So, what I generally find with a lot of my clients is everyone's good in some areas, not so good in others. But the the issues generally is around that people don't know why they do what they do. They don't know what the passion of the company is. They don't understand how important their role is. And you can change that culture by creating a clarity with management and then integrating a conversation around it on regular interval intervals with companies. So, um, you know, a lot, a lot of companies don't share or talk about vision or mission or don't talk about what they're doing that's moving them in that direction or don't talk about how a new project either fits or doesn't fit the mission, vision, and values of the company. Um, so what I find is that in some of my clients, it's really easy because management gets it. 
and that there'll be massive improvement and it'll be massive, it'll be good, and it will be long lasting. Um, and, you know, I, everyone deserves to be in a place from a work perspective where it's not work, where what they're doing they love and where they work they love. And, you know, accepting mediocrity is to me one of the most sad things. Uh, that doesn't mean one can't love anything they do. My brother, my brother has been out on disability and been hurt for about two years. And tomorrow he restarts his job and he is a dishwasher. And he is so happy to be going back to work and he so loves washing dishes. And he really, I mean, I don't mean like jokingly he loves watching, washing dishes. He loves washing dishes. He feels a sense of accomplishment. Uh, he loves the people that he works with. He has, he has a great boss. Uh, it was really interesting. The company, when he went to go back, the company said, oh, we have no openings. And when his boss heard that it was John, he said, we're making an opening for him because, you know, there's so few people that you can depend on that love their work and this kind of work. And that John is such an asset to the company, you know, we're making room for him. And, um, you know, which, you know, how does that make John feel about his boss? I mean, incredible, obviously. Uh, he just loves what he does. And he, you know, he enjoys it. And, and, and to be, I'll tell you how much he enjoys it. He could have been on disability for the rest of his life. Never had to work again. And he didn't want that. He wanted to go back and he wanted to be a dishwasher because uh, he loves where he works and he loves what he does. Um, and let me ask you this about your brother, because I, I don't know your brother personally, but um, is your brother a loving person? Oh, my goodness. Yes. It's loving, naturally funny, you know, all, all, all of those things. So this is what I, I thought everyone i have not met the person yet who does not want to love where they work and i think that is a byproduct of being loving at work i think when we operate from the place of love true love not emotional weird anything that doesn't bring freedom but love to love people and love everyone we do, you know, come in contact with and our customers, clients and our coworkers and all that. When we come from that place of love, then we inevitably will create an environment where we love what we do. And maybe the, the great dichotomy is that which we so desire, we are rejecting in ourselves or from ourselves. What do you think of that? Well, I think you make a good point. Um, and I do think when people come from love and uh, an impression of love. I'm not sure it's universally true. I think sometimes you might need to find other places where you can be in a place that you, you come from love and you receive love. Uh, if you come from a place where everybody dreads being there, I, I think, you know, no matter how loving you are, you might be absorbed by it. But, you know, mm. I'll, I'll build on what you're saying uh, and just simply remark that one of the issues I think people have in this world is the, when I get there, I will. So, you know, when I get this promotion, I'll finally be happy at work. Um, when I get married, I'll finally be happy. When I have kids, I'll finally be happy. When I have this much money, I'll finally be happy. Well, I got to tell you something. It's, there's never ending something else. 
never ending. Uh, I choose happiness every day. I choose to love the journey. I have ups, I have downs. I, um, you know, in terms of success at work, I love the journey. I love every minute, you know, and, and I can tell you, I've set financial goals in my life and said, gee, when I get to here, I'll be so happy. You know, I could never want more. And then I get there and you know what? I want more. Um, and, um, so you got to love the journey. Um, definitely got to love the journey. And I do totally agree with you. You know, and I talked about mirroring earlier. You know, when you come from love, you get it back. Uh, when you acknowledge, you start receiving acknowledgement. Uh I love uh, Paul McCartney's song. I forget in which uh, or lyric in which song from I think it was Abbey Road, maybe. But uh, the love you take is equal to the love you make, and we we get back with that which we give. I I totally agree, but I will say this. I give without expectation of return. I don't worry. Which is, which is real yeah. love, which is true love, right? Yeah, I don't, good. I just, I just don't feel that. I, I don't feel like, Oh, if I don't get this and it's not quid pro, pro quo, I, I don't, I just don't, it doesn't bother me. You know, Evan, where, Everyone listening, I want you to know, Evan has made a massive impact in my life. I met him at this leadership training that we both went to. And, um, you know, just even when he acknowledged me, it means a tremendous amount. And you, he, he has two books. Um, he's, there's videos, he has a podcast. Um, and I, I just recommend everyone find Evan, um, online, listen to his podcast. Evan, what, can you give uh, all the ways people can find you and, and listen to all the content you're putting out? The easiest way to find me and my content is to go to evanhathelspeaks.com, which is E-V-A-N-H-A-C-K-E-L speaks.com. Because if you go to articles, you can see all of my articles. Uh, my book is available. It's in the second edition on Amazon. And you can get it in a, as an audio book. Um, you can get it as a regular hard thing, uh, hardcover book. You can also get it as a as a Kindle as a as an e-reading book. And it's just engage spelled with an I for involvement. I n g a g e uh, leadership. Uh, I will tell you this, and it, it is. I wrote this book for my kids. I wrote this book so that my kids would gain the knowledge that I have gained in my life uh, because I always kept saying to myself, how do, I, how do I share with my kids what I have learned? And then I thought, what if I took the time and, and then documented it? And then the book came. And, and um, it really, if you want to work in an environment where people work from a place of collaboration, shared common vision, and uh, see massive growth in both sales and profitability. See massive retention. You know, in the company in the company that that uh, I operate, I operate a fairly extensive training company. Um, like in the last three years, the only person left retired. Um, you know, it's just we don't have we just don't have turnover. People love where they work and people 
uh, know what the company does. Uh, every quarter I share the financials and review what's happening. Um, and, you know, we work with every person as a person. And I think that's one of the key things that you talk about uh, is that we look to put everyone in the role in which they are best at. And you can have people with the same job titles that are good at different things within that distinction. And we treat every person as an individual and make sure that they are doing what, uh, what they are, um, what the role is that they can be most productive for the company and the role in which they will enjoy. Uh, and that's, you know, a big learning in life is to focus your time at doing what you do well and to, um, and to find ways so that others are doing things you don't do well. Hmm. Hmm. That's good. That's good. Thank you for being on today. It's uh, it's an honor having you on the show and I, um, everyone listening, I'll put, uh, the, the website, evanhacklespeaks.com in the show notes. And Evan, it's just been a pleasure having you on today. Uh, it's been a great pleasure, Lucas. I, re- I really enjoyed it. And may we all take his advice to keep learning, to stay on the journey, to keep coming from that place of love and acknowledging the greatness that we see in each other. Because that's the power that we have. That is the power of the golden rule. As always, thank you for listening. I can't do this alone. We're in this together. This is a movement. My name is Lucas Mack. It's been a pleasure having you listen today, and I look forward to talking with you on the next episode.